Talk Radio. Federation. 
Um, you know, it started doing independent shows uh, when I was still in the military, actually, around Jacksonville, North Carolina. Uh, I did a lot of independent shows on the weekends, uh, when I, like I said, when I was still in the military. But then as soon as I got out, uh, I started just uh, doing just as an enhancement guy for WCW as a tag team with some of my brothers, you know, uh, a couple of them. And, uh, and then, you know, I was, I was blessed to, I guess, not only have my foot in the door because of my last name, but also, uh, you know, I think I was, I was a little bit uniquely gifted. Uh, so, uh, you know, I got a, I got an opportunity to go up and, and, uh, audition for the WWF. When I say audition, I not only had a match, I, I sang in front of Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard and Shane McMahon and, uh, I had an opportunity to sing, so I say audition, you know, and, and they hired me. So, uh, you know, the rest is history. So did they hire Billy? Did you? I mean, Billy, Jesse, <laughs> sorry, my wrong notes. I was going to say Jesse. Did they hire you because of your wrestling skills or your your music skills? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know. I don't even, I don't even know. It dang sure couldn't have been because of my wrestling skills. Uh, and I don't think it could have been because of my singing skills. But, but they always, you know, Vince had always wanted a, a, a country music wrestler. You know, he had always wanted that. He tried it with my brother Steve, as a matter of fact. Uh, he wrestled as Lance Cassidy for a little while in the WWF. And uh, they were going to try the same gimmick with him. Uh, and so... You know, I think he always wanted to try that, and so maybe I was maybe I was just the best thing you could find to do that. You know, at the time. Right, and then when you when you actually made it to WWF, I mean, you, some of us might know, some of us might not know, but how did um, you know you and Billy get thrown together and become the New Age Outlaws? Um, well, we were both in in gimmicks that we didn't necessarily like. I was being the real Double J, and he was being Rockabilly, and we were actually working each other in the first match on all these uh, spot show tours, you know. And uh, we just weren't happy with the gimmicks we were in, so we just kind of beat the door down of creative at the time it was Vince Russo. So we we didn't really have anything to offer or any ideas to put up in front of him. We just weren't happy with what we were doing. So I think he kind of got sick of listening to us. And said, so, well, what if I put you guys together? And, you know, thank God that he actually was interested a little bit. He not only put us together, but he wrote us into some really cool scenarios. And uh, and uh, whatever we were doing, we must have been doing it right because we got the attention of Shawn Michaels and Hunter, and they came and said, hey, would you would you like to be a part of DX? You know, and at the time, DX was newly formed, and, and uh, they were getting a lot of positive face time and a great reaction from the fans. And so we said, heck, yeah, we'd like to be a part of it, you know, and uh, – I guess the rest of that history as well. Can you just tell us, the audience, how it felt to be, you know, what we consider the golden age of wrestling, the Attitude Era, how that felt like night in and night out to be competing with WCW, and, you know, how you felt like you were contributing to the ratings war? Well, uh, you know, the truth of it is, is I haven't, uh, just just here recently, did I really come to grips with, with the role I played for all of that because when I was there, I was really young in the business. I didn't have a good uh, grasp of what was really going on. You know, I was I was just young and trying. I was just doing what I love to do. You know, I was it was so I was so blessed that I got the opportunity to do what I love to do, and uh, on a huge scale. You know, in front of the world. And so we we weren't we weren't in the Monday Night Wars uh, like we were playing to win. We were just playing. And uh, and I think that shined through. You know what I mean? We were just having a good time, and I think that shined through on camera. And so 
I think uh, after a little while, the, the audience kind of wanted to have a good time too, and uh, and so they started watching us. But like I said, I, you know, we weren't we weren't really in it at the time. Billy and I were both young, and we were just having a blast. And it just so happens that we were on top of the world. And you know, looking back now, uh, I, I kind of appreciate the role that I did play. It was a great time to be a wrestler. It was a great time to be a fan. It was a great time to be a creative writer. I mean, if you think about it, you know, there's only very few people who have stood the test of time and, and are still there to, you know, kind of in the same spot they were in. There's a few of them, but there's very few. Uh, you know, and, and Vince Russo went to WCW. He's been to TNA, and he's never kind of had that lightning strike again either, you know, and so there's a lot of guys that haven't, you know. Uh, so, it, but it feels good, you know, now that I'm old enough and wise enough to realize where I was and what I was doing at that time, uh, it's pretty cool. You know, we were a part of a pretty unique group of guys, uh, and we lit the world on fire. Now, let me ask you a question since you, you mentioned Vince Russo. Um, we're going to get back into the outlaw stuff in a second, but what's your experience been like with Vince? Because you hear a lot of negative things about him on the Internet, dirt sheets and whatnot. And, I mean, we've never met the guy, so we really don't know, but... Can you give us an idea from your perspective what he's like uh, creatively and just uh, on a personal level what you've dealt with him over the years? Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I understand that there's a lot of negatives out there, but there's a lot of, lot of, lot of haters out there too. You know, a lot of haters that when you're in that spot, a lot of guys think they could do a better job, so they're going to throw, throw mud. Uh, Vince Russo is a great guy, by the way. He's a great man. He's a good father. He's a good husband. He's a good person. You know, so. So that really all this wrestling bull crap's gonna gonna fade away, you know what I mean? And uh, and it's gonna come down to who's a good person, and who's not. And, and he's he is a good person. So that we get that out of the way first. Then it comes to okay, does he do a good job? Well, yeah, he does a good job. Uh, you got to give credit to the writer who writes the good wrestler or the good actor or whatever uh, into those scenarios because without one, there's not the other. Uh, you know. He wrote us and he wrote DX into some great scenarios. Now, you give so you give him half the credit. The other half does go to the wrestler slash actor, whatever, who's gonna who's gonna take that ball and run with it. You know, you can't you can if you uh, you can shine a turd up all day, but it's still a piece of crap. You know what I mean? So so Vince Russo gets a lot of credit for doing great stuff. Uh, it's harder than you think to write a two-hour show weekly. You know what I mean? It's it's hard work. There's a lot of guys out there that think they could do it. I beg to differ. Uh, I always like the truth, though. That, that's good to hear because, you know, like you said, like uh, DG was saying, uh, Jesse, that, um, you know, we hear a lot of different things. It's always good to get the information firsthand, and we do appreciate your honesty with that because it's, it's yeah, good. Yeah. You know, it's definitely good to know that Vince Russo was a good guy. And, you know, whereas, you know, where you hear so many different things on the Internet. So we definitely appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you know where he started. He was the pub or the editor of the dang WWF magazine, and uh, and he, you know, he tried out his chops at writing some storylines for wrestling. And it, and it, you saw what happened. It was the best era, uh, you know. To it, to me, it was the best era ever in professional wrestling. And the Hogan era uh, carries a lot of weight too. But to me, that Attitude era is just where it's at, and that. That you got to give Vince Russo half the credit for that, you know, and so it says a lot about a guy. Yeah, and then I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate, but then you guys ended up breaking up the tag team 
more than once, but at you know the first time you want your separate ways to become single competitors. Um, whose idea was it to break up the team, and how did you feel about that at that point? Um, that was Bruce's idea as well. Uh, you know, he was still running the show, and the truth of it is, I didn't like it a bit. Uh, I felt that was because of my own insecurities, though. I felt like I had always been a tag. I had been successful with Billy as a tag. I did not think I was able to be successful just by myself. I just didn't see that happening. Uh, it turns out that they had, they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and they had faith, and and Vince sold it on, sold it to me that way. Uh, really made me feel good. Vince McMahon, that is. He, because I, I went to him and I said, I don't want to break up with Billy. I think we still got some years to go, and blah blah blah. And he said, No, we're going to do this and that. And he really sold it to me. And uh, and I actually went on to to have a fairly successful and and pleasing when I go back and watch it, like the the hardcore deal. But that was kind of my niche. It kind of fit me, you know. It, it was kind of right up my alley, and so I dug that and I liked it. And I think I had a decent little run there. So it's kind of something I'm proud of because I did it on my own, and it was my own thing I, I was doing, you know. So they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, and I. I appreciate that in them, you know. I respect them for that because they still do that. They see stuff in different people, and uh, they're they're looking hard right now for somebody to take that ball next and run with it. But you know, nobody's throwing spaghetti against the wall, and no noodles are sticking. You know, so they so they're still looking. Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from because you know, like you were saying, you didn't understand why it happens, and sometimes you need to have some perspective, which it's hard to be when you're in the situation. You need to take a you know a step back and see what the bigger picture is, and it's always good yeah, that you yeah, now and realize. I, I have, I, yeah, and, I, and of course I realize it now, but I have never been a good big picture guy. I'm always, oh, let's do it right now, let's buy this right now, let's do, you know what I mean? I've never been able to kind of step back and take myself out of the scenario and look at that big picture, and I uh, that's probably been a, you know, probably hindered me in my career somewhat. Right, right. Yeah, and, I mean, we tell, we touched on this with Billy last week, how, you know, we we're both big fans of yours and his as a team. We as fans always thought that you guys were a great tag team together in singles for whatever reason. It sort of panned out, but not to the level that the WWF, I'm sure, would have liked. But, uh, you know, speaking of all that, folks, we're here joined by the one and only Road Dog Jesse James, formerly of the WWE, and, of course, uh, you know, TNA as a BG James. Now, let me ask you a, a question that is on our mind, something that we discussed with another uh, pro wrestler, uh, Jared Foster, over the IWF. He mentioned how he feels that the business of wrestling is changing somewhat, uh, away from the bodybuilder type like John Cena to someone like, let's say, CM Punk or even The Miz, uh, someone who isn't exactly that muscular per se. Now, do you think that this is true, and how did you get over, as a guy who isn't as jacked up and muscular like your own tag team partner, Billy, um, what was it like for you as a, as a, like I said, not a bodybuilder, not a John Cena, not a Hulk Hogan type? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. And, and I agree with, uh, I agree with that fellow that, that I think times are changing a little bit. And I think, uh, I think when they, co they corner themselves into looking at one type of athlete, they miss out on a lot of really talented guys. And, uh, and so I think that's a ch uh, change for the better, for sure. Uh, 
you know how I got over it was I just I just busted my butt, man. I think I made up for, and I know this sounds braggadocious, and I don't mean for it to, but I, I think I made up for not having a good body with having a good character. And my character wasn't somebody I wrote or thought about. It was just an extension of myself. And and that's, you know, when I went out there, I wasn't scared to look like an idiot. I wasn't scared to take a chance and go out on a limb with, with uh, you know, screaming like a girl at Kane grabs you. Or, you know, I just wasn't scared to make a to, to, to self-deprecate, to make me the butt of the joke. I wasn't scared to take that risk. And uh, I think a lot of guys today are scared to do that because they're too busy trying to look cool or tough. And, you know, not everybody can be the tough guy. Not everybody can be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Somebody's got to be the sissy. And I didn't mind doing that every now and then. You know what I mean? So I think I made up for uh, – not having the best body in the world, not even the best at my house right now. But, uh, you know, I think I made up for that with, uh, I guess it would be the word is charisma, but I, I kind of right. just think it's stuff I got from watching my dad and watching my brothers and wrestling, watching Kurt Hennig, you know, just watching people that I admired in the wrestling ring and, and in the business and just tried to kind of emulate what they did, you know. I mean, you definitely found your niche. I mean, just think about, like, you know, like you were mentioning Stone Cold, like his catchphrases, and that's the bottom line. Your catchphrase is just as popular when you, you know, your intro, when you and the New Age Outlaws would come down the ring. I mean, the fans were eating out of your hands at the highest point of the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and they were, too. And when I watch stuff back like that on the computer or something, it, it still amazes me. Uh, that that we had fifteen thousand plus in almost every arena, just just repeating every word I said, and it, you know, like I said, I look back now and it amazes me, and I, I appreciate it so much. At the time, it was it was almost like I was young and dumb and felt entitled, like they were supposed to be doing that anyway or something, you know. But the truth of it is, I just uh, I just was having a good time, and now I can now I can look back and grasp uh, the enormity of it all, you know, how because it. It was a very great time to be a wrestler, and it was a good time to be a fan. I say that all the time because I just I feel like we I want it to happen again, not just for me the wrestler, but for me the fan. I want to be that interested in week to week of a wrestling show again, you know. And uh, I got great friends and family uh, in both companies, you know. So I would love nothing better for that for it to just be, uh, you know, enticing week to week. It's not there yet, but I'll tell you what, with the CM Punk, John Cena, now Kevin Nash, it's getting interesting. At least the storyline is interesting, and it's it's making me want to watch and see, okay, what are they going to do now? You know, it used to, during the Attitude Era, you had to watch every Monday to see what's going to happen next week. What are these guys going to do next week? And it hadn't been like that for some time. And in, with this storyline, it's kind of kind of turned a corner for me. Uh, and I think they've turned a corner, you know, creatively writing and stuff. Now, you mentioned some current stuff, Jesse. What about, like, um, some reports that on the net that said that, you know, you were with Kevin Nash, you know, at and made, when he made a surprise return at SummerSlam. Like, what did you think of it? And did you know anything about this beforehand? I did not. I did not, and I was with him the day before, you know. Uh, I had no idea. I had no idea. Uh, but I, I think it's awesome that he's there, of course, they're not going to use him in a match with Mysterio. You know what I mean? They're not going to use him in a match with uh, Evan Board and Kofi Kingston, but they're going to use his name, Kevin Nash. For the love of God, he's Kevin Nash, you know? If he ran for uh, sheriff of my county, everybody would vote for him because they know his name. 
Uh, it's like when Ronald Reagan ran for president. He's Ronald Reagan for the love of Pete. Bedtime for Bonzo. He's made a ton of movies. You vote for that guy because you know his name. And so they use him for what he's good for. Like I said, they're not going to put him in a next division match. You know, they're going to use him to stand 6'10 and be good-looking and be Kevin Nash and cut a promo. Uh, and Punk, I thought they had a very interesting segment last night. I thought it was good. I mean, I got into it. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, again, that's a per- that's a turning point for the writing staff because I haven't gotten into anything in a long time. And so uh, I love it, man. you got to wonder, uh, are the New Age Outlaws next to get a phone call, you know, because that feels good, too. I would love. We talked about it. Uh, now I'm older. I can appreciate it. I would love nothing better than to hit, you know, for them to hit my music in one of them big arenas, Nassau or, somewhere, you know, some big Philadelphia, some big venue and hear the people great. go, oh, you didn't know? Yeah, I guess I got good goosebumps right now talking about it, you know? So it would be awesome for me. <laughs> well, if we could put it in a good word with Triple H, uh, we'll try to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, if you would, I would appreciate it. Definitely. You know, I was going to ask you, too, with the, the interaction between Punk and Nash last night, do you think that these um, these interactions with, with Punk specifically have gotten so good because they're semi-shoots? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think I think because that's what, you know, people are so, they want to keep the curtain drawn so much that when you get to peek behind the veil a little bit, it's very intriguing, you know, and and you kind of bite into that. And, and there are a lot of people in the Twitter sphere and on the Facebook and all that that are hot saying, oh, Kevin Nash was washed up 10 years ago. And, uh, well, you know, so what? We're on here debating whether Kevin Nash should be on there or not. We're talking about professional wrestling. That's a good thing. You know what I mean? That's a major thing because we hadn't been talking about it in a long, long time. So I think, uh, you know, I'm excited. It's got me excited about the pro wrestling business or the sports entertainment industry, as it were, again. And that's cool. Right, right. And, you know, we definitely agree with that. Now, one of our uh, callers actually uh, just uh, hit us up and wants to know, do you agree with your uh, your tag team partner that, you know, what he told us last week, that the wrestling business will never be where it was in the late 90s in the Attitude Era? I mean, it might be good again, but never to that level. Um, Here's the here's the problem with that. I don't, I don't agree with him, uh, and I don't disagree with him often. It's definitely never to his face. But uh, – but I don't agree with him I, because I'll, here's here's the here's the issue is what you're judging is something that you and I were both involved in when we were young. I was wrestling, you were watching uh, fans or uh, wrestlers were doing something. So we lose a little bit. We get jaded a little over time, and we lose a little bit of that naive naivety, or you know, we we were naive then, and it was huge. Right. There were characters that were larger than life. It was, you know. Disneyland used to be a big deal to me, and now I'm a dad, and it's not so big deal to me, but it's huge to my kids. You know? so, so it may get great again, but we'll still be jaded already. And, you know, there's probably kids out there right now that think John Cena is on the moon, you know, and they don't know who the hell the road dog is. <laughs> so so it's hard to – you can't – you literally cannot say, oh, it'll never be that big again. In some people's minds, it's bigger than that right now. You know, and you know, so that's that's it's perception. Perception is reality. Definitely, and that's a, that's actually a great take because you know it makes a lot of sense. We are jaded as fans. I know Joe and myself. I've been watching wrestling since I can remember. Literally, I don't remember a time in my life uh, where I wasn't watching wrestling. I mean, in high school, but you know, for the most part, I was into it since I was little. And 
at this point, knowing so much about the things that go on behind the scenes, what you read on the internet, some of it true, some of it not, you do get jaded. But you mentioned reality. And speaking of reality, um, I heard you on the Busted Open radio show a couple weeks ago. Now, uh, Doug and Dave are friends of ours, and Doug's been on the show a couple times, and Dave is actually coming up next week. So, you know, I, I check them out every every Monday, every Wednesday. When I heard your, your episode, I was like, oh, let me check this out. The Road Dog's going to be on there. You talked about some things and some, some issues that you had in terms of, uh, you know, overcoming uh, drugs and things of that nature. Now, can you tell the Pure Goal audience what got you through that rough time in your life and how you're doing now? Because... What I heard sounded great, but I'd like you to share a little bit, if you don't mind, of course, with our listening audience. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind at all, because to tell you the truth, every day is a blessing. I, I didn't know this kind of life was available to me. And when I say this kind of life, I just mean being clean and sober. Uh, I have been for nine, almost ten months now. And, uh, man, I, I just just for trying to live right, I just see rewards in my life. I see things happening for me. But, yeah, no, the whole time I was in the WWF, and I that goes along with my being young and dumb, but I was also high the whole time. You know, I was also using some kind of mind-altering substance all the time. If you go back and watch a, some footage of me, I guarantee you I was high, you know, on something. And that's sad to say because when I look, when I think about it now uh, with a clear head and, and not bloodshot eyes, I think, my God, man, how much better could I have been? How much further could I have taken it? I know I went to the mountaintop, but could I have ascended into the clouds if I had not altered my mind? You know, so I feel like that's my that's what, that's my biggest regret. I can't go back and change any of that stuff, and so I don't sit there and cry over spilt milk. But what I do think about and what I do regret is, did I shortchange myself? Yes, of course. And did I shortchange the fans? And that answer to that has to be yes too, uh, because I think if I would have been of my sound mind and body, Lord knows the pinnacle I could have reached. And so, so yeah, no, I, I, uh, the WWE's a wellness policy, you know, they'll, they'll pay for any wrestler who's ever worked for them. I think any wrestler period, to tell you the truth, uh, to go to rehab. And they sent, uh, both, they sent all four, all three of my brothers and myself have been through there. And, uh, wow. and so, so they literally saved, you know, four members of my family's lives, uh, you know, potential or, uh, you know, have the potential of, of overdose on pills or drunk driving or whatever, you know, and now that's not going to happen. We still may die tomorrow, but but uh, it won't be because of altering our own minds, And you know what I mean? So they've literally saved a great deal of my family's lives, and that, that that's just, you know, it's a bit, for them to do that, uh, they spent about, 300 and I think we figured out $385,000 they spent to send me and my brothers all to rehab. And I mean, you know, how can how can I hold a resentment which I did for a lot of years against a company that would do that for me and my family. You know, and I, and I, and I know, you know, I don't know what their agenda is for doing it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you know if they're saying, oh well, that'll make us look good in Congress or what. It, it doesn't even matter. Right. What they did was they extended the hand, and Ann Russo, who's worked up there for about 20 years, called me and said, "Hey, man, do you want to go to rehab?" And I said, "Yeah, I did. I was on that vicious uh, roller coaster, the merry-go-round of drugs, waking up and altering your mind, waking up and drinking, waking up and just getting high, whatever. And I didn't know how to get off. 
And so I'd been to rehab before, and it wasn't my turn to quit yet. I thought I could still keep on, but this time it clicked. I'm 42 years old. I'm a father. I'm a husband. Uh, I'm just I'm just Brian today, and I'm trying to be the best Brian I can be, you know. And uh, and I try to do the next right thing, and I go to uh, meetings during the week, and I read literature, and I pray a lot, and you know, I just try to put other people's feelings first. I've been putting uh, I've been thinking I was the road dog for real for about the last 15 years and that dude doesn't exist that was just an extension of who i really am you know yeah now i now i got my feet on the ground and my head's still in the clouds but my eyes ain't so bloodshot you know that's wonderful to hear because uh you know i I mentioned this once in a while on this show but i'm actually a a youth minister aside from this and aside from what i do is uh you know as a career and whenever i hear stories like that it's so wonderful and uplifting because you know, you deal with kids, you deal with people on a regular basis, and people have their issues and their demons, as, as they like to say. So hearing someone who dealt with those for so long, and now you're really going through such a positive experience in your life and a positive change, and you being alive is obviously the most important thing because then you can you can change. So that's, that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, piggybacking off of that whole answer and the question, uh, Pat, who's a, one of our listeners, actually sent this to me earlier in the day, and he was curious, you know, being that he listens to Busted Open also, um, when you go to wrestling events, like, for example, the gathering with the uh, the Insane Clown Posse, where it's believed, you know, reported, that there's some things going on backstage, you know, whether it's drugs or whatnot. How do you, being someone who, you know, recently is getting over that and, and going through that process of recovering, how do you deal with that? I mean, how, what is that environment like for you, being that you're getting out of it? Well, I mean, you know, it's definitely a negative environment, but but Billy and I are both uh, in this program of recovery together, and we did have some worries, and we actually had a conversation about the verity you're talking about, the gathering, and we said, hey, let's check ourselves here. Let's check our motives. Are we going there to be a part of the scene, or are we going there to make a paycheck and to bring that home to our families? And, and if we, you know, if, we, if we're going there with our motives pure, that there, it's a business uh, venture and not we're not going there to impress people or to hang out or to do anything. We're going there to do a job to make our money and to bring it back home. Uh, then we're good to go. And we had that exact conversation. And when we were driving down that road, Billy looked at me and he said, "My stomach is in knots." And I said, "Mine too, Billy." But we got each other, you know. And I told him that we told we me and Billy are tighter than we've ever been. I mean, we were the tag champ six times, whatever, seven times. We've never been tighter than we are now. We've grown up together literally and uh and so we work off each other's strengths and weaknesses you know we always have uh we definitely are two different people but we're we're on the same team now we got the same goal we're both trying to stay clean and sober we're both putting our wives first we're both putting our children first and you know that's that's how we go into that uh and and, and every event's really uh like a gathering you know what I mean? Because you're still going to run into those guys who still do drugs. I, for the past 30 years, I did drugs. So when you see the road dog come in, all I, I must hear it five times a show every weekend. Hey, I got some reefer if you want to smoke a joint, or hey, I got some pain pills if you need them. That's all they know of me. They're not trying to derail my sobriety or anything. They just yeah, That's yeah. all they know of me. So I got to tell them, hey, man, I don't do that stuff anymore. I got to make myself accountable. And I say, I don't do that anymore. I really appreciate you offering because it means you, you're thinking of me or whatever, but 
I don't do that anymore. And you know what? If I can help somebody by just being the power of example, if somebody sees me and goes, hey, that dude doesn't have to do that no more, maybe I, I don't have to do it either. So, you know, try to, I just try to stay on my, keep walking on my path. And, uh, and if somebody wants to fall in line, they're welcome to, man. I'll thank sure help them any way I can. You know, that's wonderful. Again, uh, you know, in response to what you're saying, that all the positive things that you're dealing with, because, you know, you mentioned you and Billy, how you guys keep each other kind of straight and together and on the right path. And it's funny because at Sunday at church, that was actually the message. It was about friendship. And they were talking about, the pastor was talking about how, you know, to be around positive influences, because, you know, there, there's an there's an expression it says, uh, you know, if one falls, you know, you have the other one to pick him up when two people walk together. But when somebody falls by himself, there's nobody there. So in your situation where you have Billy, you know, you guys who are obviously close personal friends and you're on the same path together, if you can keep each other accountable and keep each other moving forward, you know, you guys are going to make it. I mean, the fact that you guys are, are, are in rehab, the fact that you guys are going through it and going through the, the meetings, it's wonderful because you're already so far into the process and keeping each other accountable is going to keep you in that same path. Now, I have one more question in reference to this, you know, and I know that the interview, the time is, is moving along, and we appreciate you giving us so much time. But this is actually asked by one of our guests, uh, Pyro Falcon, who writes for Online Onslaught. It's a wrestling website. Uh, he wants to know, do many wrestlers have the problem that you mentioned, buying too much into their own character, and then, of course, getting into personal trouble because of it, like you mentioned, you know, uh, I think that's a big change that the business is going through, too, and I think it's a change for the better. I don't think as many uh, have it as, you know, back when I started, it was uh, it was kind of a thing to do to go out after the show, to drink after the show, to do, you know, to get high after the show, whatever. It was kind of that thing where the wrestlers were the outlaws and you went and tore the place up and we got in fights and that, you know, that that's not how it is anymore. And, and it kind of started as I saw like Edge and Chris first started. Me and Billy, you know, we used to work around the loop with them and they were young kids that just loved wrestling and they stayed in shape and they stayed in uh, in the gym and they stayed, they didn't stay out late and that kind of that's kind of how the business is going now. You see a lot of kids on, uh, and I say kids, they may be thirty years old, but you know, right, I, right. it seems like I've been in the business forever, and and uh, and they're not doing the things I used to do. So I, I honestly, sure, there's a lot of guys that have issues, uh, but I, I just don't think there's as many as as there once was, and I think it's actually decreasing by the day, and I think that's a that's a positive thing because the truth of it is if you're going to work at TNA, if you work at WWE and you've got an issue, you ain't going to work there long, you know, and that's just how it is. And so you either, you know, it's not only good for you in a business sense, it's good for your life, you know, because the truth of it is nothing positive, nothing. I never gained one thing positive out of doing drugs or drinking. I never, never saw a positive uh, reaction from any of that. I never got promoted because I was really high. I never got, you know what I mean? It wasn't, nothing good ever came of it. And now, just being sober 10 months, I, every day something good comes, you know, every every day. I'm also a guy who doesn't believe in uh, coincidences. I mean, we talk about our friendship and stuff, and you just, that was the sermon you just talked about uh, from, from just a few days ago in your church. You know, I, uh, that's, you know, that's God's way of putting, you know, I, a year ago, I wouldn't have even reacted to you sending me something on Twitter. You know what I mean? I would have gaffed you off big time. And I got to leave in the morning to go to Canada. 
And so I thought, you know what, I really don't want to do this interview. But the truth of it is, I said I would do it, and so I did it. And now I got blessed because I did it, you know. And so even uh, even even when I do things I don't want to do, I don't want to get too biblical, but that's what the Apostle Paul said. He did things he didn't want to do for the worse. Well, I used to do right. that. I didn't want to take drugs, but I would just continue to take them. Now I do things like I don't want to go to the meeting sometimes, but I get in my car and I drive there, and I see I reap the benefits of doing that. I'm reaping benefits right now by way of blessings, by talking to you, man. You know, So it's just my life's a very positive place to be right now, and in my head's not the danger zone it used to be. Yeah, you know, and again, that's just wonderful. And I don't want to get too biblical either because, you know, not that we avoid it here because I mention it every every so often. No, but, no and um, I understand, but it, but not everywhere is the venue. You know what I mean? Not course. everywhere is the right venue to get like that because I don't want to, you know, we do have that freedom in this country, but, but I don't want to push it on nobody. No, of course, of course. And, and that's why I mention it. We've had quite a few guests on the air who, um, you know, also happen to be Christian or they end up, you know, talking about their faith and whatnot. So the fact that we were talking about it, this has just been such a common thing. On Friday, as a matter of fact, I actually spoke to the youth about the same exact thing. So it's been a whole week-long thing. And, uh, you know, again, we, we just thank you for coming on. I know that Joe uh, has something else that he'd like to ask you. But, you know, I just want to encourage you to keep going forward and be positive because you're on the right path. And, you know, you can help a lot of other people just by speaking what you just spoke to us, you know, guys who aren't dealing with it, if anybody's out there listening or if they've heard you or even backstage when you meet them, it's just, it's encouraging because we live in a society that everything's negative. You turn on the news, it's negative. You turn on the TV, you listen to presidential speeches, it's all bad. So to hear somebody really overcoming and not another statistic and not somebody who ended up dead, another wrestler dead, it's just wonderful to hear as a fan and as a, you know, as a person. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate it, and we hope that, you know, we, we do have an independent wrestling federation that right here in New Jersey that, you know, we have some up-and-coming wrestlers that, you know, want to make it to the big time. We do appreciate your insight, Road Dog, on everything. But before we let you go, we uh, you know, I just want to close it out by saying, oh, you didn't know? <laughs> well, you James <laughs> and Pure Golden Tell somebody. <laughs> Pure Gold. I got two words for you. <laughs> but before we let you go, sir, uh, just let us know what you know what you have in store for you in the future. Are you uh, reforming the New Age Outlaws, and what specifically you know is going on with you and your career? You know what, there are a few things going on, and and I think it's definitely a reward from just trying to live right. Both Billy and I, like I, like I said, are on the same path, and and the New Age Outlaws are new and improved. We got a new website, it's uh, thenewageoutlaws.com. We also got a. a the New Age Outlaws under the entertainment category of Facebook page that we get on every day and kind of react with fans. Uh, and we also got a, we got a tour go coming up. Like I said, I leave tomorrow. We both leave tomorrow. We got a 10 days uh, like Hogan and Nash and Mick Foley are on a couple of those shows up there, uh, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland. Uh, we got a, some talks uh, in, the, in the works about uh, India. Uh, we're both oh, wow. on Twitter. Yeah, real at real Billy Gunn and at BG Road Dog James. We're both on Twitter and we're on there on there a lot. Kind of especially when we've got downtime in airports, we kind of play around a lot. You know, it's kind of fun. But uh, but you know, so we really do have a lot going on right now. This year we've been busier than we've been uh, since we were the new age. You know, since we were back in 
day. And so, uh, again, I believe that's being that's being compensated for just trying to live right. And uh, and it sure feels good, man. All I have to say is we're not perfect, but we're just a bunch of degenerates, right, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that we are we're just a bunch of degenerates. I said that. But, I'm saying that in a joking way. Of course, I mean, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but we are because we all fall short, you know. But, yeah, uh, but But what? But but we can try to do the right thing, and uh, this human nature sometimes gets us to, to gets us all wound up. But we can try to do the next right thing. We can try to other people's feelings before our own, and uh, you know that's what I'm trying to do every day. Jesse, Brian, Road Dog. You know, whatever it is that you go by, I know you mentioned just it's just Brian now, but we appreciate so much. I can't tell you how much it means to us that, A, you answered our Twitter, my Twitter, you know, because I see guys on there, and, you know, Billy did it, you did it, and we really appreciate it because, you know, as kids, I know back back in the day I was a teenager, I, I really loved watching you guys. I really loved it, and just to hear the positive things you've gone through in your life, and, you know, you just sound so humbled by your success and where you are now in life, and you can really hear it. You know, I was I was commenting to Joe as you were speaking a little bit earlier that you just sound so humbled by the, everything you've been through, and it's great to hear somebody who doesn't have an ego about his success in life. So of course we wish you the best and uh, you know success in everything you're you're going through, and hopefully we can have you on the show again at some point in the future. I I would love to do it, man. It's uh, you're providing a platform for me to try to stay relevant. Like I said, if I can help one person, whether it be a young wrestler who who needs some advice, or whether it be a person who is just down on his luck, uh, that's that's really what I need to do. That's kind of what I'm here for. That's my purpose, and uh, I appreciate you guys giving me the platform. So anytime, man, just hit me up. All right, thank you very much, uh, Mr. James. You have a wonderful evening, and uh, you know. Obviously, good luck. You go to Canada and make sure you uh, you spread the you spread the good word and uh, lay the smackdown on some fools over there with uh, with Billy Gunn. I will do that. I appreciate you guys, man. Y'all have a good evening. All right, you, you too. too. Thank you, sir. All right, bye bye, folks. That was indeed the one and only Road Dog Jesse James or Brian James, which is of course his real name. And Joe, let me just say that would have to go down in the annals of pure gold history. Eight months strong. Last week was our eight-month anniversary, by the way, folks. That's got to be our best interview yet. I mean, as a fan doing the interview and just being a part of it, and that was that was, that was was pure gold. You know, to be cliche, but that really was pure gold. Well, like I said, DG, oh, you didn't know? <laughs> well, you better listen to pure gold and tell somebody. <laughs> but... You know, Road Dog said it best. I got two words for you. Not blanket, but pure gold. There it is. <laughs> Folks, of course, you're listening to Pure Gold. Uh, you know, if you'd like to be a call, a part of the show, call in 714-364-4721. We hope you enjoyed that interview with the Road Dog. And, of course, we did. And now we're going to have to move on to some more wrestling talk, a little bit more. We did cover some current things. But, JB, give us your just business. On uh, SummerSlam and Raw last night, sir, what did you think about the uh, the main events at SummerSlam and the storylines in terms of how they, they're working out so far? Well, I didn't watch the pay-per-view like you did and like Pyro Falcon did. <laughs> you better call somebody in that one. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was worth the money, and um, I definitely think that the pay-per-view fell flat. 
on so many different levels. Um, oh, wait, I just love how you didn't watch it, and then you're saying it fell flat on so many levels. That is solid gold. I mean, I read the results. I went to onlineonslaught.com, read the results by Pyro Falcon, and that's a cheap plug there. Wait, was it Pyro or was it the Rick under Pyro's alias? It was definitely Pyro. Are we good? All right. And, you know, he was definitely letting me know via text on real-time updates, but also I read his website early in the morning, uh, early Monday morning, and I got to say that the, most of the, the card was subpar. I mean, I look at the different matches between Sheamus losing on a countout at a pay-per-view. That's lame. The, go ahead. You know, no, you go, and then I'll comment on it. Just, you mentioned it, so I wanted to, to throw that out there, but I'll, I'll contain myself until you're okay. The fact that, again, Randy Orton claims the World Heavyweight Championship over Christian after Edge cuts a weird promo, I must say, uh, before the match. So, I, you know, I, that didn't sit well with me. Uh, the main event was okay. I mean, the match was good. It had a, a weird finish, like a not clean finish, as you were telling me, because Triple H did not see the foot on the, the road. The dusty finish, as they call it. Yeah, the dusty finish. The dusty roads finish, I guess you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the, the the actual card itself was put together pretty bad, sir. I mean, except we only had four matches going into the pay-per-view announced, and then we had these weird matches. And even Kelly Kelly beating Beth Phoenix, I know they want to continue the feud, and they want, I guess, Kelly Kelly to hold on to the belt for whatever reason for a little longer before she drops it to Beth. She's awful, by the way. Very awful. I mean... I I didn't like the I read everything and I thought to myself you know I know you're gonna get mad at this but thank God I didn't go over DG's house and watch Summerfest because it was a slot fest not Summerfest <laughs> Summer slop as you as we like to say um, you know truthfully I I mean I thought to waver a little bit I was very upset and I mean I was furious watching the pay per view at the Randy and Christian match. So upset that I actually turned my television off and I almost threw my control uh, across the room. My wife was giving me funny looks. Uh, I had to explain to her why I was so upset, which, of course, you know, she didn't understand. But I thought the pay-per-view was, was – some of it was good, some of it wasn't. Like the Daniel Bryan-Wade Barrett match was amazing. To me, it didn't make sense that Wade won. But if what they're going to do now that Orton is champion, and I'll address that in a second – it's have Wade Barrett get pushed up to the main event level and, you know, allowing that platform of defeating the Money in the Bank winner to move him up there, then I'm all for that. But truthfully, my issue is Christian, who I'm a big fan of, by the way, and not just because of his name, but uh, Christian is one of my favorite wrestlers, and I've always thought he's good. I know that Dave and Doug, for whatever reason, loathe him and his, you know, work on the microphone. Um, but to me, he's, he's solid gold in the ring. And on the microphone. But the thing is, uh, the match was good. Uh, you know, Pyro says, you know, the match was good. And, uh, you know, you might be able to tell me the match was good. But tell me how it makes sense that Edge cuts that promo right before the match. And then Christian loses the title still to Orton. Well, what I think is one of two things. They did it to kill time because they only had, like, five matches in the card or six matches in the card. Softest. Or it's unfortunate, typical... Sometimes typical, not lately, but WWE laughs in logic in terms of writing, and we'll get into that with Raw. Um, it didn't make any sense to me because I'm watching this, right? And, I, and I'm trying to be unbiased because you, you all know if you ever listen to the show, I detest Randy Orton to the point where it's almost unhealthy. 
and as far as in-ring ability and him on the microphone, I just don't see anything there. Nine-time champion, eight-time champion, whatever he is, the fans seem to love him. Everybody on the planet loves him. I think that's going to be our standard question when we ask any wrestler, what do you think of Randy Orton? And if that goes wrong, we, the interview's over. But him beating Christian doesn't make sense to me because this feud needs to end. It's been good in the ring, but end the feud. And you can't end it now simply because now Christian has to at least get one title shot, a rematch. If you're telling me that this now is going to lead to Mark Henry against Orton, then I'm going to throw up. That's just... You know, you had Sheamus, you mentioned the count off, but Sheamus really pulled a decent match out of Mark Henry because Sheamus is that good. As a face, a heel, what, tween or whatever, he's just that good. He pulled a good match out of him. The, the count off. It was a good match, but I'm just saying. Really? If I'm, if I'm, shelling, that, if I'm shelling $60 out, I do not you want to see a count. Whatever. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to see a count out. I could see that on Raw or SmackDown. I agree with that. What I, what I think would have been great if they had done like a last man standing and they both lost and the double type of thing. But the reason they did it is because they need to keep Sheamus over and they need to keep uh, Henry's push going. Storyline-wise, it's good, and it would have been better on Raw. I agree with that. But it was definitely an, an interesting match, and he pulled a good match out of, you know, a big old tub in Mark Henry. I have a better idea. How about the fact that Mark Henry tries all he can to pin Sheamus in the ring and then can't after he kicks out after different different types of moves he keeps kicking out, and then Mark Henry gets so pissed off, he goes to get a, a chair and just whacks him in the chair, and there's a DQ. That is actually a good – that's a good booking job. I uh, I mean, we, we fantasy book all the time. And I, you know, that to me would be good. And, you know, as, as Pyro was uh, mentioning to us, it, it raw – SummerSlam was raw quality. And I, you know, I kind of agree with that. That Daniel Bryan Wade Barrett match was just off the charts to me. It could have got a little more time. But getting back to Orton Christian – that match doesn't make sense to me because now, again, you have to continue the feud. Edge cuts his great promo. It's only Edge can do. And then Christian goes and loses to Randy Orton. And what bugged me, too, is that the last five to ten minutes of the match was just Christian getting destroyed, and then he eats the RKO on the steps, and that's it. It's over. He got one kendo shot, and then that's it. It just bugs me as a fan. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, I was not feeling that. I wasn't digging it, as it were. But, uh... You know, something I did dig that I was into was the main event. Great match. Another good match with John Cena. And obviously, Punk deserves the credit, but Cena was pulling out moves that I've never seen before. I was actually tweeting it up. You know, he talked about the five moves of Doom. I think I put, like, move six, headlock. Move seven, uh, you know, wrist lock or whatever he was doing. You know, he was pulling out some moves. And it was a really good match. What I didn't like was the ending of SummerSlam. I liked that it sets up questions. It's always good to have... You know, you need to get the answer so you continually tune into Raw. But Nash powerbombing Punk for seemingly, you know, we don't know what the reason is. He mentioned something on Raw about the text message that he got. We don't know who sent it. That was kind of cool. But to have Alberto Del Rio win the title like that, I like Alberto Del Rio. But that, to me, is the wrong place, wrong time. The focus should have been WWE undisputed title. And that surrounded by Cena and Orton. I'm sorry. Forgive me for saying that. Cena and Punk, and with Triple H in the middle, that is the main focus. Now that Alberto Del Rio is the champion, I mean, what does it say about Cena and Orton? Ah, why do I keep saying Orton? Cena and Punk, what does that say about them? I agree with you, sir, and I think the, the problem that, maybe you haven't thought about this, but I think what uh, the fact is that, that that angle has been overplayed, where there's a match that ends, and then the, the heel or the face is hurt, 
and then the heel comes out and wants to cash in the title match. We've seen it so many times, and you're right. For a match like between Cena and Punk uh, for the Undisputed title, I don't think you needed Albert Del Rio, and I'm not going to call him Alberto because he's not that good. Uh, I don't think Albert Del Rio coming in and cashing in his match at the end of Summerfest, Summer Slot Fest, is a good idea, sir. It's been overplayed, like I said, and there's no reason for it. Well, truthfully, that is a heel move. Even when Punk did it as a face, it's it's not a face thing to do. RVD is the only person who doesn't get mentioned on WWE TV, but he cashed it in in advance, which I think is kind of cool because it sets up an automatic pay-per-view main event, like what Daniel Bryan says he's going to do with, at WrestleMania. But then, you know, let, let's move to Raw. Speaking of that, the ending of Raw, to me, made absolutely no sense, and I'll tie it into Summerfest. Cena comes out after he hasn't appeared on the entire show, which I loved, and it's not because I don't like Cena, which obviously I don't, but it made sense storyline-wise not to even have him on the show. The way that it was written, from an objective perspective, it doesn't make sense because he was in that match, so he should have appeared, but he hadn't appeared the entire night. Then at the end, he comes out to defend Rey Mysterio and cuts his nonsensical promo, a total lapse in logic. Whoever wrote that should get their head examined. He gets upset and goes nuts on Alberto Del Rio because he cast in his Money in the Bank title match. The way that CM Punk did twice, the way that Edge did twice, the way that everybody has done it successfully, Kane, The Miz, Jack Swagger, that's the way you're supposed to do it, I guess. That's the way everybody has done it, except for RVD. So what sense did Cena's promo make? Not only that, but Cena lost the match at SummerSlam, so if anybody has an issue with the whole thing, it should be Punk at Alberto Rio. So that that's right. The storyline has no continuity in terms of John Cena coming down the ring. Yeah, he saved Rey Mysterio, but then... He's all of a sudden mad, mad at Albert Del Rio for cashing in when so many other guys have done that. But he lost the match, so this makes no sense. You're right. And what it looks like to me is that they're going to shift Punk off away from the main event into this Nash thing. And now Cena is going to take his place against Alberto Del Rio, which even that makes no sense because Del Rio lost on Raw, I believe it was last week, in a relatively short match to Punk. He lost clean. And then he comes out of nowhere on Sunday, wins the title. It's just he got marginalized in the last month that he won the Money in the Bank. He did win the number one contenders match, but other than that, he's pretty much been irrelevant before he won that that shot. And it doesn't make sense to me as a fan, writing wise, common sense wise. It just doesn't make sense. So now the fact that the idea with with Punk shifting out of the title picture doesn't make sense. And one thing that upset me. Let me just throw this out there. What is up with the title? Are they ever going to change that flipping belt? Is it just going to be the spinner or non-spinner forever? Because you talk about undisputed WWE champ. That's the perfect time to bring on a new title. Come on! Man, I thought that I was anal about it. And I haven't really mentioned it recently because I think I gave up on the idea that they'll ever change that stupid belt. Maybe They'll, they'll probably keep that belt for another five years knowing our luck. So I, I've given up on that, sir. I don't. If anything, they should have brought out the new title and given it to Albert Del Rio as the undisputed WWE champion last night with Triple H. They didn't do that, so I'm afraid that that belt's going to last for a little longer. Yeah, and it makes no sense at this point to change it now because they didn't immediately give it to him following the situation. He won the match, changed the title, undisputed champion, whatever the case is, they need to do something. And, you know, we've talked about this, and I know other people like Pyro agree. The whole idea of the spinner belt is John Cena's belt that somebody else is wearing. Joe and I love title belts. We're big on them. And we had the whole discussion about the Smoke and Skull belt, which is awful. The Brahma Bull belt, which is never used by The Rock. But those personal titles are ridiculous. 
to me, it undervalues the title itself, which, you know, we're being anal about a title that really has no true meaning to the boxing. But as fans, we, we get into it because it's what we like. It's what we prefer. They need to get rid of that belt, get rid of the bling, get rid of all the diamonds. Even the belt itself isn't that bad, but those diamonds, that ridiculous eagle, it looks so over the top. It's so John Cena the rapper, not John Cena the current, you know, fake marine thing he's got going. Well, like Pyro said, like you just said, the underlying theme is that it's John Cena's belt on loan for somebody else. So that right there leaves you a bad taste in your mouth if you don't like John Cena. Yeah, when he uh, ended up winning the World Heavyweight Championship, I loved it because somebody else was going to hold that belt. I figured they'd change it. I thought, no way is Triple H going to wear that belt. He wore it. You know, if anybody was going to change it, I thought it would be him. But, you know, we'll see. It seems like the WWE is going in the right direction because we are interested in at least the main storylines. We'll see what happens. Um, I've heard some rumors that Triple H is trying to bring back the tag team division. You meant you, If you saw Raw last night with the tag team uh, match, with Kofi and Evan against uh, Joe Hennig and David Atanga, JR kept saying about the tag team division, the tag team division, it's bland. I mean, it's non-existent, JR, let's be real. But I love the fact that they're putting emphasis on it. So it looks like they're going in in a positive direction, like the road dog said. And I think that you and I, for the most part, will at least be more interested. Because you can, you can answer this, you can tell me the truth. We haven't been this into wrestling, good or bad, in a in half a decade, if not more. We told we talked we stopped talking about wrestling on the show for a couple of weeks. And it's just with everything going on with punk, we had to bring it back. I agree, sir. I mean we we're definitely into it, um not as much as the attitude era. Well it's not perfect. It's not perfect. Just degenerates, like I said before. Which you are big time. Thank you. You could uh beep it. But anyway, like I was saying, um beep. the the main event picture is at least uh watchable. I mean I, I don't have to fast forward through everything. Um, and the beginning of the show, too, DJ, we should hit upon is that Triple H came down to the ring, tried to explain and apologize that, you know, he didn't see the foot on the rope. Then it also explains, you know, he had nothing to do with the whole run-in with Nash. Nash comes on later in the show and explains that he got a text from Triple H's phone. And your theory, uh, you might as well share it, but your theory is that Stephanie McMahon used Triple H's phone to send a text because that only makes sense. And I think that might be a little bit too obvious, but who else would have access to his phone? What I found interesting was that she apologized to Punk and said, you know, this he- slightly heelish thing that everybody gets that they deserve in the end. But the text said stick the, the winner. It didn't say stick Punk. Why would Cena and uh, Stephanie have a problem with oops, Cena? Why would Triple H and Stephanie or whoever have a problem with John Cena? The only person, and this was on Justin's radio show today, Justin Labar, somebody mentioned this, which I thought was interesting. Laurinaitis, who is horrible, by the way, he needs to not be on TV or have somebody speak for him because he's the absolute worst. If this guy's judging who does a good promo, then you know what? Joe and I need to be, you know, WWE champion, world heavyweight champ, respectively, because he stinks. He but he's awful. He's, he, he's the worst character I've seen in years. Vince is great on the mic. Stephanie's good on the mic. I mean, he's almost as bad as Linda. He probably is, right? But aside from that... um. The only person who seems to have a problem with the two of them is, is Laurinaitis, so I don't know where this... Oh, excuse me, Mr. John Laurinaitis. Yeah, and like you were saying before, I think they're going to try to uh, take away Punk from the main event picture because he's got enough heat, enough, like, you know, people watching him. He doesn't need to have that title on his... You know, he, does not, he doesn't have to be the champion to get people to watch him. And I don't like the fact that John Cena is, again, in the title picture against Albert Del Rio, where, again... 
again, again, I mean, the only thing I can say is that the Night of Champions, we might have a triple threat with Albert Del Rio, Punk, and Cena, um, or even a Four Corners match throwing Rey Mysterio. So uh, I don't like the idea that, again, John Cena is going after his belt where he actually lost two times. The last two pay-per-views, he actually lost. And he, Agreed. And he gets a title shot? I mean... Well, he doesn't have a title shot effectively as of yet. I mean, he should get a title rematch, we would think. And Punk, of course, needs to get a rematch. But it, it really doesn't make sense storyline-wise, so we'll kind of see where that goes. And I think that's what upsets us. If they change that belt, to me, that's like the beginning of a new era, the Triple H era, or whatever you want to call it, the post-PG era, something. But uh, we'll see where that goes. Sir, did you uh, check out the... Uh, Interesting match between John Morrison and R-Truth. I did not. That was a very good match. It was, uh, I'm not going to say match of the year, but I think that Morrison excels the best when it comes to those, uh, you know, both kind of newer matches. He had a great one against the Miz for the title at the beginning of the year, the first Raw of the year, actually. And uh, it's nice to see Morrison back in action. But, man, he is just as bad as Laurinaitis on the microphone. They did that old-school picture-in-picture thing where the guy's coming down to the ring and they show a video clip of him talking. About his opponent, you remember those? Yep. Awful. He is awful. Should have got some lessons on the mic from uh, from Melina, but I think he's getting lessons from Laurinaitis. But, you know, Raw was good. What did you think about the Nash Punk promo? I thought that was a great promo. We were talking about it with Jesse James, um, how these promos are good because, oh, you didn't know? You better call pure gold. So I don't think, you know, I think the... the these um, conversations that Punk has with the wrestlers is good because they're semi-shoots. They talk about real-life stuff, and the fans really eat it up. I know I really eat it up when he talks about stuff like when Kevin Nash is, is demanding Punk say, thank you, Mr. Nash, for those guaranteed contracts. Thank you, indeed. So, I mean, those th- those conversations are great. And then how uh, Punk throws to Nash how, you know, he will always have the name CM Punk, and he never sold out to Vinny Vegas like... Kevin Nash did, or even uh, Diesel, so stuff like or that, Oz. or that too. So those interactions are pure gold. I mean, I hate to use that pun, but they, they're definitely pure gold. And it's only going to be, I think, it, we'll see where this progresses next week. The one thing that we could get into uh, another time, sir, is that we discussed it briefly, but we're running up on 11.01 here, on the overrun, if you will, of pure gold. And we will. Version 3.0, is the fact that, Albert Del Rio on Raw, to me, makes no sense. I mean, to me, he yeah, he could be a world heavyweight champion, but he should have stayed, well, he yeah, stayed on SmackDown, sir. I don't think him having him coming over to Raw made much sense. I think he could have been the world heavyweight champion on SmackDown. Him and Randy Orton could have gotten into a pretty good feud. It would have been made much more sense to have him stay on that show. Um, and we were also discussing how whenever the guys win the Money in the Bank, Nobody really stays a main event, at main event status except for one guy. And that's Edge. He's the only one who was propelled by the money in the bank to main event because he won He got. I mean, he won one time, and then he got it from Kennedy the second time. So he had two successful cash-ins. And after that, he just stayed in the main event title scene. You know, he never went back down to winning mid-cards. Everybody else, whether it's Swagger, whether it's um, Punk the first couple of times, whether it's Kane, whether it's Miz, whether it's RV, well, RVD smoke pot, so he lost his manifest title shot that buffoon. But, um, you know, whoever else has won the money in the bank, it, it escapes me at this moment. Those guys who've cashed in, they ended up, you know, winning the belt, and then they went right back to mid-card except for Edge. And you're right. 
I absolutely agree with you because we talked about this earlier, and I wish I could disagree, but I can't. It would make more sense to have Del Rio on SmackDown, win the title there, feud with Orton, feud with Christian, run now feud with Sheamus, but instead he's on Raw, which doesn't make sense. You know, there's so many main eventers on Raw, and really what bugs me about Orton winning the title again is that now who is he going to fight? He's going to fight Henry. If he was on SmackDown, Del Rio, that is, that would be a feud that would be interesting to watch. And, uh, you know, it would, it would keep it fresh and say we're going to see Orin Christian 55 and then you're going to have uh, Mark Henry against uh, Orton. What would have made more sense to me is keep Orton chasing the title and have Sheamus shift into a feud with Christian with Christian retaining the belt. But instead he gets two lame title reigns and here we are, Orton, 87-time world champ. Yep, you're right. And I don't want to apologize to our pure goal audience, but the last couple of shows, sir, have been all wrestling. But let me give you a justification on that because... Let's face it. The Mets season's over. The only thing to, over, over. The only thing to talk about is if uh, the only thing that you can actually discuss over and over again is the fact that will the Mets resign Jose Reyes and what kind of contract are other teams willing to give the guy that's been injured twice now this year? Uh, with the same injury. With the same and injury. And of course, you know, Ike Davis is uh, scheduled this week. That if he doesn't recover, if he can't run, if he doesn't feel good, he is going to end up uh, getting surgery and hopefully be back next year. I mean. I was listening to Mike uh, and Terry Collins today. You know, Terry Collins was on Mike's show. Truthfully, this has been a wasted season for Ike. Looks like Lucas Duda is starting to show some pop. So hopefully you're going to have uh, Duda next year, maybe playing right field, have Ike, have David Wright hitting some long balls. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, what, what gets me, and I don't, I'm not going to knock our buddies over in, you know, different chat rooms and different groups on Facebook, but I don't understand how so many people get into the mess. At least this year, there are three games, you know, what, three games under 500, I believe, with their win last night. I'm not sure if they won today because that's how much I'm paying attention to they're them. In, they're in San Diego. Oh, that's right. They're in, they're in San Diego, so they're in, like, the third inning at this point. But truthfully, what is there to talk about about this team? They're not going anywhere. The season's over. It's been over for a while. And, I mean, people give, like, these updates and stuff, and we have loyal listeners to the show who talk about this, so I'm not trying to knock then if that's what they do, then so be it. I don't understand it because I just – I love the Mets, but I if they're not in contention, I, I can't sit there and watch every game. I can't sit there and watch every pitch. I admire those who can, but it's just not me. I've spent more time watching wrestling for the longest now than I've ever watched Mets games because the Mets, you know, even when they were doing good, and they may be exciting, they're three games under five hundred. They're not going anywhere this year. And, you know, another reason why we're not talking anything, any other sports – and we're just talking wrestling. Again, it's the dog days of August. We know the Yankees are either going to win the wild card or the division. So, Or the National League East or the West. I mean, we don't even know what they're going to win. Yeah, so while you're while it's August 16th and we're not talking any sports the last couple of shows, there's a good reason because the Yankees are going to make the playoffs. We're going to talk about the Yankees in September and October. And the Red Sox, of course. And the Red Sox, of course. But right now, I mean, the Yankees are the Yankees. They're doing what they're going to do. <laughs> they do what they do and it be what it be. We are going to be talking about football next week on Tuesday because at 9 o'clock, a special advance show up here, we're going to have the one and only New York Giant all-time great, Leonard Marshall, number 70. He's going to be joining us, so we will be talking some football and some regular sports on, on Tuesday show. We won't have a Thursday show this week because JB's on vacation. In case you didn't notice, Todd is also on vacation. I'm sure you guys missed uh, Todd giving us his food updates. Um but truthfully, Joe's right. You know, we were worried back in maybe May or April. We were thinking, what the heck are we going to do? If the Mets are out of contention, what are we going to do in the summer? And thank God that we've been able to get such amazing guests 
you know, we've had great guests like today, the Road Dog, who's, you know, top-notch. We had Billy Gunn last week, who was amazing. Um, we had Bright Light Sheriff Foster, who was great, called in. You know, we love that with that whole back and forth. We've had Flex Freeman. Next week, Leonard Marshall. No, you know, and then next Thursday, we're going to have Dave LaGreca from Busted Open. We're working on so many different interviews and so many things. We had Neil Best, who was the second-best interview. Uh, we had Sal Licata, Greg Giannotti. I mean, these last month, as we go, as we're finishing, you know, this eighth month going into the ninth of this show, have truly been a blessing because if not, what would we talk about? I mean, I don't know how guys like Joe and Evan do it, talk day in, day out about the same thing. And I know if I did it for a living, you know, I, I'd somehow survive. But, you know, you, without the, the callers and without the people, I mean, they'd be talking three, four hours a day about the same thing. The last month has definitely been pure gold in that respect, sir. And, you know, both teams, both football teams played their first preseason game. The Jets played last night. Look, Wait, can you consider what the Giants did playing? Because the Giants, were, they were playing dead. They were awful, sir. They were a disgrace. And I know it's the first game of the season, and we'll get into the Jets a little bit more. But, man, they look terrible, Joe. And truthfully, the lack of moves that they've done in the offseason, I'm not sure if you read this on Yahoo, but apparently uh, one of their executives, I don't know if he was the VP of something, I forget what, maybe – Talent relations. He uh, was ripping fans on Twitter because the fans are upset, and rightfully so. The Giants have done nothing this offseason. They lost Steve Smith. They didn't get Price to go back. Uh, you know, Sean O'Hara, all these other guys. In I Boston, mean, Cofield. Yeah, Boston and, uh, with the Raiders. And, again, I mentioned Steve Smith going to the Eagles. I mean, what have they done, sir? I, what have they done? Go ahead. The sound like, sir. Do something. But the... The fact is... This is for Jerry Reese, folks. The fact is... Shut the gun! Uh, the Shut Giants the gun! Had a salary cap... Cut The Jets did, but the Giants didn't do anything, and the Jets did. I I hate to say it, but, you know, 2007 was four years ago, sir, and, you know, it's good to win a Super Bowl and all, but, you know, get back into reality. You are absolutely right, and this is what I think of the Giants. You make a dog sick! And, of course, as I mentioned before, and Joe was talking over it, this is what I would like to say to Mr. Jerry Reese and the Giants. Have some guts! Show some guts! Guts here! Show some guts. But, uh, you know, again, it's only the first week of the preseason, sir. Give the Giants have a relatively easy schedule. We'll definitely get into it more as the season, uh, as we get closer to the season. The Giants have a relatively easy schedule the first six weeks. Uh, as always, they always come out. It's like five and one start, and then they end up like uh, you know ten and six or nine and seven. So yeah, plenty of time to break that down. Plenty of time to break down the Jets. The Jets, you know, looked okay last night. Uh, Pyro must not like Rex Ryan apparently. Yeah, not a big fan of his. Speaking of Rex Ryan, did you hear his interview with uh, Mike Francesa? Uh, on Friday. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was good stuff. I listened to it as a you know as a Giants fan. And it, that was radio gold, sir. Listening to Mike pretty much you know stick to his guns. He didn't rip Rex per se. But he really did. I thought Mike did a great job of actually calling Rex out for the comments he makes. And let me ask you, as a Jets fan, I think Rex really buys into the hype that I go into every game knowing that we're going to win. That doesn't even make sense, personally. I mean, you have to have that mentality. You have to exude that confidence. Um, I don't know if Rex Ryan believes that 100% of his life was on the line, you know, gun to his head. But I think he has to exude that confidence for his team. I think the team loves him for that. He's definitely a player's coach. Not as much as people think because, again... There you go. I was about to bring that up. Awesome why he didn't sign with the Jets. I know everyone... Awesome why! Yeah. Awesome who? (laughs) 
But again, uh, he's definitely, I mean, I, I like him as our, my coach. I think he's flamboyant. He definitely is. Flamboyant like a gorgeous George who's flamboyant in the world of wrestling? Yeah, like Ric Flair. Woo! Gotta say, sir, we'll definitely head on the Jets as the season uh, gets closer. The Jets open up Sunday night Woo! 9-11, the University of 9/11 against the Cowboys at home. And the Giants, I believe, are on the road against the Redskins. So, as we get closer to football, we'll definitely talk about more football again. You said Leonard Marshall joins our show next Tuesday. And then Thursday, who do we have? The one and only Dave McGregor, co-host of Busted Open. And, of course, we're looking forward to that. We've had Doug on the show a couple of times. This will be Dave's first soiree. We're trying to get a couple more guests on the show and maybe double booking and just trying to get make the show as interesting as possible. And like Joe said, we've talked a lot of wrestling, but you know what? It's been warranted with everything going on and the lack of things going on with our baseball teams. If you're a Yankee fan, we talk more about the Yankees. Obviously, we're not. So uh, there's really not much to talk about when it comes to the New York Metropolitans, uh, sir. So before I go on vacation, sir, I must say that the last two weeks have been definitely pure gold. We, I mean, fans... The last month, really. The last month, but I just want to get to the, the last two guests that we had. I mean, we had... Two out of the four main guys from Degeneration X. I mean, if we could ever get Shawn Michaels on the show. Which we tried, folks, just so you know. Yeah, and we'll keep trying, I think. I mean, we won't get Triple H, obviously, because... You never know. Maybe Trips will come on the show at some point. I mean, if he made up with... Uh, maybe if he if he makes up with uh, with uh, Billy and, and Road Dog, And I mean, who knows? You just don't know who might come on the show. Sir. I mean, at the beginning, when we started this back in December with that... December 16th, as a matter of fact, when we started this show, oh, no, December 10th, I think the 16th was the yeah, second episode. <laughs> you remember that slop fest, that, that, that opening that we had? Did you really think that we were going to have guys like Billy Gunn and the Road Dog on a back-to-back and a Betty, a two Betty? I definitely don't, and that's a good point, too, is that we've redone the intro for a third time, and we think that this one will stick, because we actually do we, think. Talk, we do talk about everything, anything, and we do tell it like it is. And we hope we bring it to you in a very entertaining manner, and we do appreciate it. The you. Cubs suck, Pyro, just so you know. The Cubs absolutely suck. DG, I'm trying to mention to the fans. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there because I have Pyro over here ragging me on, uh, you know, I, m- messaging me about the Cubs. I think the fact that he mentions the Cubs, as I'm trying to be serious, is, is true to the fact that Pure Gold does talk about everything, anything, and tells it like it is. We definitely do. We hope we... Uh, find you guys, you know, we hope you find uh, us very entertaining. And I know I find us entertaining. I'm hoping that you do. But you know what, Joe? You're right, because like I said at the beginning, we didn't know, you know, we were talking on Pyro Falcon from Island Island, so like that's a big guest. No offense, Pyro. But at this point, I mean, we're talking mainstream guys, guys that any real wrestling fan has heard of. Anybody over the age of 15 knows who the road dog is. Anybody over the age of 15 knows who Billy Gunn is. You know, we have Kevin Knight, who's also going to be, as a matter of fact, for those of you listening to Busted Open, he's going to be co-hosting tomorrow with Dave. I mean, we've had guys, we've had Fox Stream, we've had, you know, we had the Miss USA 2010. Now we're going to have a football great, New York Giant great legend, Leonard Marshall. We had Bruce Harper on this show. I mean, we have done it as only pure gold can do. And I am damn proud to be a part of this show and to be the, the true genius and driving force behind this show. And you are, you are le- full of it. <laughs> less useless. But the whole version 3.0 thing, you want to get into that? You want to get into that, that whole situation and why we had to change it? I mean, you can explain it. I was going to ask you, do you know how to count to 10? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. What happens when you don't get into back into a ring after the 10 count? You count out. It's over. You knocked out. I heard somebody lost this past weekend. 
Oh. Are you talking about Seamus? Not Seamus. Are you talking about Shane Foe? The right. one and only, uh, I forget, what, what's his name again? Uh, Bright Lights, Jared Foster? Yes, he actually did. He was counted out against Dante Arcade, who uh, follows us on Twitter, of course, a big fan of the show. Uh, shout out to Dante. And uh, you're right, he did lose. He, he kind of he got counted out. I mean, I don't even know why you bring that up. Is that even worth mentioning? No, I just I know how to count from one to ten, and I think you do, and I think all the the audience does. But come on, bright lights. Except for Jared. But uh, speaking of uh, the other Jared, he was on uh, he was on Raw last night. What a slop that was. You know, did did you watch that or no? No. All Jared did, Jared from Subway, was shrug his shoulders like an idiot for ten minutes. Every time they miss this, and he's just like, ah, I just kept making the same goofy face. I think they actually took the same clip and just kept replaying it. But aside from that, um, <laughs> I'm not even going to say what, what Pyro just said about Jared Foster. But anyway, um, the truth is that this show, it's just awesome. You know, we got into this whole need to change because we found out that a pretty well-known uh, host on, on Sirius, I will not mention his name, the legal teams maybe were contacted. We're not too sure about that. But, you know, we had a cease and desist letter where we had to kind of change the the, the name of the show, what, what we call ourselves. So, you know, to avoid problems uh, <laughs> on the legal front, we just decided to, to truthfully, it is about anything and everything. We do tell it like it is. We haven't talked movies. Hans has been MIA, just doing awkward things. We don't know what he's up to, possibly just being weird. Um, you he was know, an extra on Planet of the Yeah, he was. <laughs> it definitely was. But, you know, we'll get into some of that a little bit more in the future. You know, gotta just gotta love it, sir. Gotta love what we do here. Yes, sir. It's, uh, we're running up to eleven seventeen, and we've pretty much talked about everything and everything that's on my mind. Yeah, I, I think we can put a wrap on the show today, sir. Put a bow on it. Lock it up. Throw away the key. We'll definitely see you in a week. I'm gonna go enjoy some sun, fun in the sun, Wildwood, New Jersey. Here I come. Yeah, please uh, go, go check out JB at, at Wildwood and you know Super Kick him because he needs it. On a wonderful Jersey Shore. Hopefully you won't come back, uh, you know, as a Guido or end up on Jersey Shore. Uh, I hear they're filming the 15th season. I'm not really sure about that. But anyway, folks, we appreciate you taking the time out to listen to us, whether it's live or whether it's through the podcast on iTunes and on our website, puregopg.com. We'd love to thank, we have to thank the one and only B.G. James, the road dog, Jesse James. You can follow him on Twitter at B.G. Road Dog. It's two G's, by the way. D O double G. Jesse James. Once again, at B G Road Dog Jesse James. You can follow him. You can follow his partner at Real Billy Gun. Um, we thank him so much for this time, for his courtesy, for giving us the, the honor and the privilege of having him on the show and sharing his his testimony and sharing the things that he's gone through. Uh, you know, definitely a wonderful interview. You should check out if you you know if you haven't, if you're catching us at the tail end. Uh, we'd like to thank Pyro, of course, for his, his you know helping us out, just throwing some things our way. Pat, for that question. Just you guys, the fans, for listening. And, of course, look forward to us next week. At an earlier start time, both shows will be at 9 p.m., so check us out, puregoldpg.com. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you, as always, oh, you didn't know, you better call somebody. And as a matter of fact, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you, and so does the road dog. Pure Gold, keep it PG. Good night, everyone, and Joe, have fun down at the Jersey Shore. Woo!